0: You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour two. Busy. Hour two of the show. Jamie McCowan, two-time Stanley Cup champion, going to join us. Talk about the Lanny McDonald Toast of the Town event that's coming up. Great cause. Tommy Wielden Jr., Cavalry FC manager at 745. Little footy. And uh, we're still taking your text, 960-960. Name and location. Uh, We're playing Dragon's Breath at 830. What's Dragon's Breath, you ask? Uh, Flames take so hot that only a dragon can spit out. So we have a pair of Flames and Canes tickets to tomorrow night's game. If you send in a really hot take that we're going to use for Dragon's Breath, we'll give you credit and you'll win tickets to the game. Sounds like a pretty sweet deal to me. That's a great deal. That's a great deal. We'll even open up the phone lines, I think, a little bit at 8.15. Get a couple smoking hot category. Get the people on the horn. Yeah, I love love getting people on the old blower. Uh, But right now, um, Ryan Dixon, senior Sportsnet columnist, joins us. Uh, Ryan, how are you, pal?
1: I'm good. Dragon's Breath was the name of the uh, hot wings at one of my favorite wing joints in Toronto. So there you go.
0: Really? Like, how hot were they, though? Like, sweating when you ate them, Ryan?
1: No, you know... Uh, the key to a re it, it can't be performative right like it's a, the, the goal of a good hot wing shouldn't be to make your eyes bleed the goal of a good ipa shouldn't be to make you spit it out yeah. I, I i appreciate the ones that are like look let's be adults here it's spicy but we're not doing this just for theater and that's what i okay. always liked about the dragon's breath they were they're spicy but you're like yes i can still eat
0: Eighteen of these, you know. Um, does does it count if you if you like really hot wings, but then you smother it in blue cheese? Does it really count, Are you really eating hmm. the hot wing as much?
1: Well, I think that's the refined approach, you know. Like you get a little balance there. You you get a few flavors going on. The blue cheese cuts it. I think that's the the refined man's okay. way of eating a, a chicken wing. If there is an inherent contradiction in in that statement.
0: Uh, I I know we're going to talk a lot about hockey, but I have to ask you one more question. Are you a drums or a flats guy?
1: Um, I actually am just about fifty fifty, but I'll go fifty one percent flats.
0: Okay. All right. We're really hitting the hard edge topics My goodness. Um We know uh, you guys are forced maybe at gunpoint uh, by the people at Sportsnet <laughs> to write all these predictions every year. You got to do it. Got to do the predictions. Uh, Ryan, the, well, first of all, you're great at your job. We wanted to have you on talk hockey, but also uh, you said that the Edmonton Oilers are going to be the most disappointing team in the NHL. Uh, why is that Ryan Dixon?
1: <laughs> I So this is another thing I feel like needs clarification. Like, You know, we get, like you said, George, we get something sent out to us that's like fill out these criteria. And I feel like some people for most disappointing, right? Like who's going to be bad? Like, I'm not saying the Oilers are going to be bad. I'm not, my answer wasn't Philadelphia or whatever. My answer was who do I think has really high expectations and who might come in under them? And I think, you know, a fan base that watched his team go to the final four that went out and changed, you know, its goalie position and got a guy who, you know, did well, but it's not like he went out and signed prime Henrik Lundqvist or Marty Brodeur, you know, it's still a guy who's largely unproven, you know, it's basically when I run the numbers and go, who do I think really feels like they're going to take a step forward? Also, I think has real potential to lose in the first round. Losing the first round would be a disappointment for the Oilers. And I think that's absolutely (laughs) in place and play for 30 teams, you know? So I just think, when I set it against the backdrop of what people are probably expecting, I know how, we all know how fandom goes. It's wonderful. You're, you know, being a fan is all about getting excited, but there's just always, no matter what you come back to this feeling that like progress is linear and it just keeps going. So if you made the final four last year, Oh boy, here we go. And I just don't think it's quite that simple. And obviously you know, again, I, I, think, I think the Campbell move made sense for them, but, you know, it's not like you can go, all right, we're done worrying about goaltending now. So, um, and, and, you know, the Oilers obviously have two absolute nuclear weapons on their team, <laughs> but by the same point, um, you know, they, they still probably have some depth questions. So we'll see. It's obviously been a little uneven, but they beat a, a really good team last night, and, and we'll see where they land.
2: Under similar parameters, what were you thinking about the Calgary Flames as we prepared for this season? Like, they were such a hard team to predict with all the moving parts in the offseason.
1: Absolutely. And I think I wrote somewhere in the, in some prediction stuff that, like, you know, the, the biggest question really is continuity, right? Just because of the major, major parts that got swapped in and swapped out. I mean, I am by no means the only one and, and, and really was just joining a course, but... I just think what Brad for Living did in the summer was jaw-dropping. And I, I just feel like, you know, the coward's way out, which is what I would have taken, is as soon as Matthew <laughs> Kachuk said, I want to leave, I would have been like, okay, we're going for futures, right? I, I, that's how I would have played it. I would have said, what can we do? These guys wanted to leave. It would have been so easy to steal story for yourself, take a knee and say, what could we have done? You could legit make a case that there was nothing more that Calgary could have done to appease those players and they were going to leave anyway. So, you know, it would have been fully justifiable to say, this is a a futures play and we're, you know, we're going to try and shift on the fly and, you know, training for two guys who were, you know, pending UFAs in, in the summer. I I just unbelievable, just unbelievable. And yeah, I think there is a, a really good case to be made that this is a stronger team now, just because, they're so strong down the middle. I know uh, Daryl Sutter wasn't thrilled with his defense last night, but you know when you when you look at it at full health, it is a really balanced top six group. And yeah, I, I just I like I like that it's a team that you look at it and you, you know I, I'm not sure there's an identifiable hole. So you know maybe there's some question about losing super top end talent, but I, I just under the circumstances it was just unbelievable work by for living to have this team right back. And then obviously to get those guys signed and get them to commit, which, you know, maybe he had some sense he could do when he traded for them, but certainly that, that's not the same as knowing it's, it's in the bank. Um, yeah. It was just, just amazing work. And yeah, I, I liked, I liked the mix and I, I just, it was easy to see for me how it could come together. It was just a matter of when you are moving such major parts in, you know, there it takes a little while to find some chemistry, perhaps.
2: Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, I did want to ask you as well. I saw you done a feature on Tage Thompson uh, recently, and man, was he impressive yesterday. Scored that big goal against the Edmonton Oilers back on Tuesday. Can you just tell us a little bit more about the big 6'6 six, six centerman who wasn't always a centerman?
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, the move that really unlocked things for him, you know, he was... It was tough circumstances, and he was very open about the fact that, you know, he was a young guy when he got traded from St. Louis to Buffalo for Ryan O'Reilly. In the first year O'Reilly's in St. Louis, he wins the Stanley Cup and the Smythe Trophy. And, you know, no matter what, that's the kind of thing. He, you know, he was sort of saying it didn't, it didn't even hit him immediately the magnitude of the, of the trade. And then as time goes on, and Buffalo's struggling, and he's struggling, and this guy's winning the Cup, it, it, it was a lot. And, you know, he was toiling under Ralph Kruger in that, pandemic shortened 2020 year and you know things are going off the rails in Buffalo they lost 12 straight or whatever and Kruger gets the boot and Don Granado gets promoted and Granado had him at the US development program a long time ago when Thompson was you know 15 or 16 years old and he swapped him from the wing to center because he thought it was better suited to his game. He thought he was kind of getting trapped on the boards. He wasn't able to use all his creativity And um, yeah, it it just, you know, that, that move just uh, unlocked his potential and you saw what happened last year with 38 goals. He found real, real chemistry with Jeff Skinner. And that's the thing I don't think I realized about Thompson until I went to Buffalo and was talking to people. I knew he was a shooter. I knew he always had a, like a pro level shot, but everyone just talked about his vision for the game and his ability to find guys and the, the way he sees the pieces on the ice. And playing in the middle just to give you more options, right? I mean, just it's natural that you, you have more space on either side to play with. And that has really, really just thrust him to another level. And yeah, he looked great. I mean, that goal, he scored an engine, you know, an early goal of the year candidate. And, you know, he saw last night, he set up one, I think, for Tuck. Um, yeah, he, he looks great. I mean, six 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 seven. Uh, there's a lot to like there. And you can see why. Buffalo was ready to do that extension. It, it looks like one that I mean, it's obviously early, but he's uh he doesn't turn 25 for another week or so, and you know I think they could be getting him uh, ultimately at a very fair price through through his prime years.
0: Uh, Ryan Dixon, senior Sportsnet columnist, joining us here on the Big Show, Russick and Rose Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Obviously, the Sabres got murdered for their Ryan O'Reilly trade because uh, the Blues ended up winning the Stanley Cup. Like, what are you doing, Sabres? But. That trade actually worked out really well for Buffalo. It took a while. Uh, to, again, talk about a, a trade that worked out for both franchises. Blues hung a banner. Sabres got a guy like Tage Thompson. Win-win for everyone here, Ryan. And usually we don't see that in the NHL.
1: No, it's true. And, like, I, you know, this isn't just recency bias, but Buffalo's got something going on. And I don't know exactly uh, how long it's going to take to come to fruition, but obviously we've all seen what League's done so far. I mean, they've got two first overall pick defensemen on the blue line who i think are gonna really really move the needle in the next little while i mean i don't think you can overstate how nice it is for them to have the jack eichel situation behind them ops how does that trade look alex tuck with five goals so far he was so good for them last year you know there's other pieces that they drafted that are coming together that you know some of the some of the later round picks um are some of the guys you know, like Dylan Cousins, who they drafted a couple years ago. I think they love playing for Granado. And I really liked the Calumary signing when it happened. He had good numbers in Winnipeg last year. He's never got a real shot. He just seemed like a guy who might be able to play 50 games and, and put up a decent save percentage. So um, I know both the Oilers and Flames fans are probably a little po that uh, they've lost to Buffalo, but maybe they haven't been paying enough attention to a good team. And uh, I think they're going to be competitive this year.
2: Another blown lead for the Vancouver Canucks last night. What have you made of what oh we're seeing God. off on the West coast there early on?
1: You know, I don't, I guess that my mind is always is divided on these things where you think like, well, is it, is it really like a critical flaw of a team that they just can't protect the lead? Or is it just a crazy run of bad luck? And like, they were a really good team or, you know, at least very competitive team under Bruce Goudreau. They had a a points percentage in, you know, whatever it was, 65 games that would put you certainly top eight in the Western conference over 82, but they just dug it such a hole last year that it it wasn't enough. And when Miller came back, I, I just, I thought there was some real potential there and, I don't know. Like, I, I, I can't tell you, I look at Vancouver and go, oh, they have a critical flaw that doesn't allow them to protect leads. Like, I do feel like it's just a bit of excruciatingly, you know, everything that can go wrong is going wrong early season on the road, snowball effect. Like, I don't think they're this team that, um, you know, just isn't going to be able to ever pull through, but by the same token, like things obviously get hot there pretty quick and, You know, whenever you hear a coach as Boudreaux is using phrases like mentally weak, you know, (laughs) it feels like it's a somewhat combustible situation. So it's crazy how quick it can happen. I mean, obviously Vancouver is still completely living in the red and and needs to get a win to at least tamp things down. And that's what, you know, New Jersey, after two games, it was like, Well, here we go. Lindy Ruff, one more loss and he's probably gone. And now they've won a couple of things have calmed down. So I mean, the Canucks, however they do it, just need to get a W. Um there's there's good pieces in. There's all there's some super high-end talent that, you know, I expect to to be able to make them the the team we saw for three quarters of the season last year. But man, it's got to change fast because this is just going to get uglier and uglier and hotter and hotter if they can't get a win.
0: Uh Ryan, st- uh sticking to the theme of mentally weak, uh the Toronto Maple Leafs and Sheldon Keefe uh walking back comments about Rightfully so calling out uh, his elite players in that embarrassing loss to the Arizona State uh, Coyotes um, <laughs> and, and, and now blaming the media like from somebody who, who works in the Toronto media and has covered the Leafs at times of his career uh, to, to me that is such a cop out and a scapegoat. Although the, the it's a fishbowl and there's a lot of media around the Maple Leafs, it's not like they play in Philadelphia where they're getting tough questions. It's softball after softball from the Toronto media. Why do they keep getting blamed for a team that hasn't won a playoff series from 2004? Shocker, it's not the media's fault they can't get it done in the playoffs.
1: It's so funny you use the silly analogy because I remember early on in my career, being in the Philly dressing room once when they were coming through Toronto. And yes, you're right. We always hear the media, the media. And I, I have no delusions about how unfun that part of, um, you know, a player's or manager's or coach's job is, but there is, you're right. There's a key difference between volume of questions and how sharp the questions are. And if you want sharp questions, get in a Philadelphia dressing room with those guys who when newspapers existed, used to work for newspapers, but whatever, you get the point. Website, whatever, um, they didn't mess around. <laughs> it was pretty pointed. And you're right. I do find not just Toronto, but throughout Canada, you know, we we obviously have a reputation as uh, pretty uh, on, on the surface, anyways, nice people who uh, you know we uh, we preface things with, oh well, geez, I know you're trying your best, but and you know <laughs> that is usually the way things are framed and. I don't know. I just feel like everything that's going on uh, early on with the lease and with Keith when he did come out after, uh, again, you just know the backdrop here, right? Everyone knows this is it, or certainly everyone in management knows, right? If you're Sheldon Keith, you know, this is my year. If we don't win two playoff rounds or look really, really good winning one playoff round, then this is probably it. Kyle Dubas knows. There's a reason, you know, I'm not going to get an extension until we see what happens this year. And and that obviously has to be informing some behavior. So yes, when, listen, I I understand it's in the coach's playbook to blame the media. And those are sort of the rules of the game, but yes, ultimately what happens (laughs) with the Leafs, the the success or failure is going to be determined by those, you know, those superstar players, which by the way, they still do have a, you know, a a number of them and, and should be just fine. But you know, we'll see how it goes this year because, again, like I said, just knowing everything is set against the backdrop of the coach and the GM knowing we got one more kick at the can here, and if things don't improve from what we've seen the past five years, then there's going to be changes. So that, you know, I'm, I'm sure Sheldon Keefe, I mean, he, he was calling them out after the first game in, in Montreal, which, fair enough, it was, you know, both teams were probably a little sloppy, but that's not what he wanted to see from his team, and, you know, that got under his skin right away, and, and I certainly took note of that, being like, oh, game one, okay, here we go, but you know what? Maybe he's decided that that's the approach is, you know, where possible, we're, we're using more sticks than carrot this year to see how that goes, and, and you know, we'll see how it plays out.
2: More stick than carrot. I quite like that. Wanted to ask about the Canadians as well. Yesterday, they beat the Coyotes, and a couple of young players had some firsts in the NHL. We saw Uri Slavkovsky get his first NHL goal, and we saw Arbor jackie get his first NHL fight as he fought Zach Cassian. So my question is, by the end of the year, who will have endeared themselves to Habs fans more, jackie or Slavkovsky?
1: Well, the real answer is probably Caden Gooley, who looks like he's played in the <laughs> NHL for 10 years already. But, boy, I, there's part of me that wants to say jack I, because, you know, as much as Slavkowski is finding his way, I don't think anyone would really be surprised if he winds up scoring, you know, if he even plays the whole year in Montreal. It might be the kind of thing where he has an eight-goal year, nine-goal year, and I think everyone kind of potentially knew that coming in, whereas jack I, Again, you know, we'll see what happens when they get some bodies back on the fence. Maybe he'll be down in the AHL, but this guy, every game is in the mix, right? And he obviously has that style that fans gravitate to. He plays to the crowd. He's an incredibly confident guy. Uh, I mean, you saw him last night after the takedown on Cassian, you know, given the, uh, the fanning the flames and, and, and raising the arms. Um, I, you know what? It might be the guy who as long as he goes out there and just keeps banging and, and making, you know, smart plays, obviously at this point in the NHL, you can't just be a person who goes out there and runs after bodies. Uh, I think they're going to love it. I think he's a, he is, they're both characters, but I think he's, he's certainly a character as well. And, you know, sharp dressed guy. I think there's, mm-hmm. there's a, a match made in heaven there in Montreal.
0: And that uh, Suzuki penalty shot goal was just gross. Greasy. Uh, yesterday. Not, that was just not bad. beauty. Uh, not bad at all. Uh, Ryan Dixon, senior uh, hockey columnist for Sportsnet. Uh, Ryan, great stuff. Let's do it again soon, pal. All right. Sounds good, guys. Ryan Dixon from Sportsnet. Yeah, great stuff.
2: Ghoulie's another good one there at the oh, end. yeah.
0: <laughs> good player. Great start. And uh, if the Habs bottom out, which I don't know if they're bad enough this season to bottom out.
2: There's some other teams that are like leading the
0: race. Yeah, but apparently the top three picks in the draft are can't miss this season. So... If they play Montembeau a little more, uh, they can lose a lot more <laughs> games. So I think that's the thing because J- Jake Allen's a very solid NHL goaltender. He is. get so, some good. good and well, goal I guess Ca- they signed him to an extension. Gold so. Caulfield again last night scored again for the Habs. He just yeah, continues to put the biscuit in the basket with Marty St. Louis behind the bench.
2: Another guy that you probably don't want to turn the puck over to in the no, slot. That's no. I
0: don't know. Like yeah. I've never played in the NHL, but right.
2: That's yeah. my opinion.
0: Uh, the Habs look exciting. Um, they're they're a team on the rise, just much like we saw last night with the Buffalo Sabers, uh, a young team, uh, got some speed, and uh, we'll see what the future holds for both of those clubs. I'm a big fan of Arbor Jackey, especially he actually he fed it to oh. Zach Cassian. Well, it's not like he fought, you know, a lightweight or a guy. No, Zach Cassian's a tough customer, and he. He gave him the old knuckle sandwich there.
2: I like that he went after him because Cassian sometimes likes to do the thing where he dances around in center ice and he waits and he kind of almost feigns him out a little bit. And Jack, I was like, no, let's get after this. I'm going to come here. Come here right now. And And then he filled his mush with fists.
0: And probably the best nickname in the NHL Wi-Fi. So Because his name looks like a Wi-Fi password. Yeah. And we're saying Jack Eye,
2: but just so you know, it's spelled X. H e k a j.
0: Yeah, it's. There's it, no it, way if you were to show like somebody as <laughs> no like pronounce this name, you're like I have no idea. It'll be impossible. <laughs> uh, it was one of my first tries. What's not impossible is your chance to win Flames and Canes tickets tomorrow. Wow, we're playing Dragon's Breath in an hour with Sports dance Ryan Leslie. But mm-hmm. for you to win Canes and Flames tickets tomorrow night down at the Dome. We got to hear your smoking hot Calgary Flames takes. 960, 960, name and location. If we use your take on Dragon's Breath, you go to the game tomorrow. It's that simple. Keep them rolling in 960, 960, name and location. Two-time Stanley Cup champion Jamie McCowan. Yeah?
2: little breaking news from the Jays. You want it? Sure. John Schneider uh, has been signed to an extension.
0: Oh, Okay. How long?
2: Three-year contract for 2023,
0: 2024, matter. and 2025. Yeah, contract, manager extensions yeah. and coach. That doesn't even matter. <laughs> He'll be it's back. Just he's going to get money. So John Schneider back with the Blue Jays. Wow, okay, not really surprising after you hear Ross Atkins no. talking about uh, the, the post-mortem of the Blue Jays' 2022 season. They like what John Schneider did, although he had some horrendous decisions he made in that loss to the Seattle Mariners when they're up 8-1. Learning moments. Sure, In a
2: bad time to learn. yeah.
0: Because the window's wide open for the Blue Jays to win forever. Uh, Jamie McCowan, two-time Stanley Cup champion, straight ahead. Tommy Wilden Jr., Cavalry FC manager. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You're listening to the Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames. Sportsnet 960
3: The Fan. It's
0: the Big Show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Later on this hour, Tommy Wielden Jr., Calvary FC manager.
2: Best dressed manager in the whole CPL. Wow.
0: Is that true? We Bar have... none. Okay, I'm going to ask them that.
2: Bar none.
0: Uh, they're on the road against Forge FC this weekend after playing uh, to a 1 1 tie, not draw, 1 1 tie. A draw. Last week
2: in the first leg no. of the semifinal,
0: you've never said, "Hey, the Flames and Jets are they are in a one-one draw after one." That's never because said that it's hockey; life. it's okay. not
2: football. It's different. Stop it.
0: Uh, we're taking your text to nine sixty nine sixty name and location. If you give us the best Dragon's Breath, hot, super hot Flames take. You'll win tickets to the Flames and Canes tomorrow. 960-960 naming location. I think we'll open up the phone lines. But right now, we can't We can't have them on the line anymore uh, waiting for us. Uh, two-time Stanley Cup champion, of course, member of the 89 Cup team. We say good morning to Jamie McCowan. Jamie, how are you?
3: I'm doing well, gentlemen.
0: Thanks for jumping on. You're obviously uh, going to be a part of this uh, Toast to the Town uh, for Lanny McDonald, uh, the event proceeds will benefit the following charitable causes: uh, Cure Cancer Foundation in support of blood cancer research at the University of Calgary and the Calgary Cancer Center, CP Kids and Families, and additional Flames alumni charitable beneficiaries. Uh, this was such a no-brainer to be a part of this, right, Jamie?
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're uh, you know we're we're coming out of the you know the the COVID uh, what do you call it two years of uh, of everybody staying in their house and. Well, the opportunity came up for us to put on a little event. I say a little, hopefully a big event. Mm. Um, and Lanny was more than willing to sacrifice himself. <laughs> and uh, you know, the, the funny part is, uh, I mentioned this to uh, to his wife, and I said, "We're going to do a toast for Lanny." And, and she kind of looked at me, go, "Well, better not be just all toast. It better be a little bit of roast in there too." So, uh. so we have we have permission. So this is going to be fun. Whoa.
0: Well, well, now I have – well, kid, okay, there's two questions I have to ask you, Jamie. Number one, uh, you have to give us a good Lanny McDonald story. But the first one I want to ask you, where is the 89 cup ring right now? Where is – is it on your hand? Do you wear it all the time? Where is it right now?
3: Uh, I was wearing it yesterday, so, uh, okay. which I don't always do. And right now it's sitting up uh, on my dining room table.
0: Okay, awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so, about. Yeah, so you've you got to give us a good Lanny McDonald story that maybe we haven't heard.
3: Well, no, this is a clean one. We're on the radio okay. right Okay, all right, uh, okay. <laughs> but well, at that you know, event, maybe
0: there won't be some clean ones, which is even yeah, better, but okay, yeah. give us a clean one.
3: My, uh, my first road trip, so this is like 1983. Um, this is before, you guys are young. This is before the ATM machines were everywhere and, and, and credit cards and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I've gone to the bank. I've taken out like $200, which to me seems like a huge amount of money. Um, when I was in college, I used to live on $300 for a year. Or excuse me for a month anyways first first uh, trip out I would go to Chicago I'm out there with like you know Paul Baxter and I'm out there with uh, uh, Doug Griisbo and you know a couple other guys and we're having dinner and they're like they're ordering smokes so, here put a deck on that and you know like and there, uh, all of a sudden my bill my bill for for one dinner my first night out was something like 150 bucks. <laughs> And um, I'm going, 150 like, bucks. I only got fifty dollars left. It's, it, it's literally fifty bucks left. I got to survive like ten more days on on fifty bucks. So, I'm doing my best because you know we paid for our all our own food. I'm going, for you want breakfast, no, I'm good. It's like, <laughs> like oh, you want some lunch? No, you know I got a tic tac somewhere. I'll eat that." And, uh, <laughs> And, uh, so anyways, after a couple of days, I kind of looking around, like, I don't really know anybody. And I, and I'm, and every time we used to look at Lanny, we think of him as like Santa Claus or, or grandparents or something like that. And, uh, so I go up to him and kind of mention to him like, Hey, you know, uh, I, I kind of don't have any money. And he's kind of looking at me. And then he did say something along the lines of, uh, did you go out with the boys? And, uh, they kind of patted the bill. I said, yeah, yeah, they did. So he reached into his pocket and lent me some money, and uh, I'm not saying I ever paid him back. I think I might have, but he—he uh, <laughs> he was so successful, he was scoring so many goals, he probably forgot about it, anyways.
2: That's pretty good, uh, and we're all excited. My question is: Is Lanny going to be on time for this event?
3: Oh, you know Lanny, right? Like he's always late. But so we're going to tell him it starts at like three, and uh, <laughs> it actually it actually starts at uh, five thirty. <laughs> so uh, I'm assuming he'll show up around, you know, quarter after five and be there. But uh, we're looking forward to it. You know, Daryl Sittler is going to be there. We're, uh, uh, Tiger Williams is going to be there. So those those two are going to be, uh, obviously speaking, we're going to have, um, you know, well, I was going to say he, he doesn't know, but uh, Gary Roberts and Joe Newendike, uh just told me yesterday that they're coming out. They just That's couldn't awesome. miss it for him. And there's going to be a couple other people coming out um and then we're gonna have uh, maybe a couple of the Euler guys come down Ooh. uh you know the battle of Alberta seems to be back in everybody's mind and uh you know th- what's happened over the last you know let's call it the last six seven uh years we've really tried to uh you know not necessarily like the oilers but we're trying to make sure that we have a working relationship with the alumni and it's turned out to be great because we've raised a lot of money for charity between the two uh two alumni and uh, uh a year ago uh Tim Hunter went up and, and had the conversation with uh, Kevin McClellan And, uh, you know, those two used to, unfortunately, have to go at it. And uh, we're hoping to have a uh, similar sort of uh, hot stove with those two as well. So it's going to be fun. There's going to be great food. And if you've ever gone to an event at the Dome, uh, they they go all out. It's going to be great.
2: So it's Toast of to the Town. It's November 10th. It's at the Dome sponsorship and ticket opportunities still available if I'm not mistaken and how can people kind of get involved with this event because you've laid it out you got a bunch of great hot stoves a bunch of great stuff that's going to be going on how can people get more involved with this
3: uh, they can call the flames uh, you know if they need to they can uh, email me uh, my last name if you can remember how to spell it and then <laughs> McCowan uh, re- realestate at gmail.com and uh, like I said there yeah there's definitely some room available we're just trying to make it as big as possible, obviously, uh, you know, three quarters of the money that you pay on a ticket goes towards the charities. So uh, it's a great time to raise money. I mean, it's, it's been, it's been tough on a lot of people out there. And uh, unfortunately, we all know uh, a bunch of people, unfortunately, that have had cancer. So we're, uh, we're hoping that we do it. We do something that that makes a difference in in people's lives. And, uh, and more important, not more importantly, but just as important, we're hoping to have a lot of fun.
0: Jamie McCowan, Stanley Cup champion, Calgary Flames alum, joining us here on the big show, Ruskin Road Sports at 960, the fan. Okay, I have to ask you, you mentioned Gary Roberts. Gary Roberts been, has been like the catalyst of working out in the in this summer, being ready to diet, and he is like, the, he's the guy right now for being in incredible shape in the NHL. He is the guy. Guys look to him. Jamie McCowan, what was your off-season regimen heading into the season?
3: Oh, you know, you don't want to really know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, my very, like I was lucky. I was I was one of these guys who just naturally kept the same weight. So like my first 10 years in the league, I, I played at 192. And then I don't know what happened. Suddenly I was like 31 and I, I jumped up to 196. And for the rest of my career, I was 196. But the, the one of the funniest stories ever is uh, I'm down in Toronto. Uh, my first training camp in Toronto after I've been traded. And uh, the the coaching staff, especially the two uh, the trainers, or excuse me, the two assistant coaches, Mike, uh, Mike and Mike, we used to call them, they both kind of heard about my training regimen. And uh, so they're making us do sit ups. And, you know, guys are, you know, some of the guys are doing like 400 sit ups and 300 sit ups and stuff. And I go, wow, oh, that's not going to do that many, but I'll do a few. And uh, I started off and I, you know, one, and then. They go, no, one, one. And I go, what? I just did two. He goes, oh, your right heel came slightly off the ground. That uh, doesn't count. <laughs> Anyways, so then I'm going like, like one, one, like two, two. Anyways, I do about 35 and I'm still at seven, right? <laughs> and then I finally, I just say, done, I quit. And the person's from the University of Toronto going, I can't put down seven he goes, ah, just put down seven. He goes, no, I'll put down, like, 45 or something. I go, just put seven. And I get up, and I can see in the far corner, the two uh, assistant uh, coaches are looking at me, and they they mouth over, how many? And I I put up my hands, seven. It's like, and the one uh, the one coach has to pay the other coach some money because they were betting on me. Like, <laughs> That's no, I thought he wasn't in good shape. It's just... Uh, Apparently, I, my nemesis is trying to do sit-ups without my uh, my feet coming off the ground. <laughs> okay. so, that's my story. I'm sticking to it.
2: Yeah. Hey, I'm not a big sit-up guy myself. I'm right there with you, man. Um, hey, I wanted to ask. We always saw Lanny with the trademark mustache. It was like part of the brand. Um, going back to his playing days, it's continued past his playing days. Did you ever think of getting something that you could maybe brand like, I don't know, like a neck tattoo or like a a nose piercing or or something like that. Something noticeable to stand out.
3: Uh, You know, the only thing that stood out on me a little bit was uh, my my bad hair. You know, I'd be trying to be cool with my hair before, because, you know, we we used to warm up with the, uh, you know, with your helmets off and all that sort of stuff. And I'd be soaking my head, trying to get my hair to sit down and stuff, but that, I realized later every single picture of me just had, like, my hair, like, freeze-dried kind of half-sticking up and <laughs> horrendous, really, to be honest with you. But, like, Lanny was one of those guys, uh, you know, not only was he is he, I was going to say was he famous, but he was and is famous for his mustache. He was famous for all the stuff that he did off the ice. And, and you know, I mean, we had a, an event with Curtis Glencross there just a couple of days ago where Curtis has, uh, and his family, of course, uh, helped raise some money for the Ronald McDonald House up in, in, in Red Deer, and he gets an award there. And the person from Ronald McDonald House comes up and starts talking about Landon McDonald being on the board of directors in 1984, right? Like, we're going to 84. Like, most people weren't even born in 84. But he was part of the Special Olympics. He was part of the, of uh, you know, obviously Ronald McDonald House. Like He just always gave. And, uh, you know, another quick story. Like, I remember being in Chicago, we, 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 we drive in after you know we land, and it's kind of half rainy, it's, it's, it's late, it's like 1.30, 2.30 in the morning at least, and we're all dead tired. And we hop off the, the bus, and we we're get, going to get our, our keys and all that sort of stuff, and, you know, there's Lanny, still by the bus, still signing autographs. And we're all going like Lanny's getting old. Eh? He doesn't realize he's the same guy as before. <laughs> but like we, <laughs> we, we need to tell him about it. But like he just always would sign until everyone was gone. He would always do whatever it took. And uh, you know he's one of the guys that we learned from. And uh, not every team had guys like uh, like Lanny. And uh, when you hear about a team on, you know, maybe not so much anymore because they all have their. There, uh, you know, there's managers that are protecting them and all this sort of stuff. But back in the day, you'd hear stories, and uh, we learned from Lanny. We learned from our our owners, and uh, and unfortunately for many, the other teams they didn't have the Lannys, they didn't have the great owners, and uh, and consequently things happened.
0: Uh, if you have any questions regarding the toast of the town event, or find out more about the gala tickets, uh, contact Foundation Events four zero three seven seven seven. 1380 or uh email them foundation events at calgaryflames.com uh two-time stanley cup champion flames alumni jamie mccallan will be there jamie thanks for this great stuff
3: you're eight we're looking forward to it. it's gonna be fun all right
0: there he goes jamie mccallan great stuff yeah i don't think uh back in the day um the the, the off-season regiment isn't the same as it is now it's 365 days for all those guys now but Back then, not so much. Some guys were in super great shape all the time. Some guys needed training camp to get into shape.
2: Gary Roberts needed to retire and get everybody on this like yeah. hockey TB12 summer program. Like It's one of those things where you get into the training camps and someone's like, oh, did you hear? I trained with Gary Roberts in the offseason. That's right. I think he's like top three fitness testing and lights it up early on. Who do you Usually. think Who do
0: you think would win in like a like a fitness contest, Rod Brindamore or Gary Roberts? It's a tough one. Like I got to go, Roddy,
2: because I I see him on the TV more, and the dude is yoked. Yeah, um, and I he, haven't I cut. haven't seen a picture of Gary he's Roberts swole. recently. Yeah. I imagine it's yeah. equally impressive and emasculating for me. Yeah, but but it's I'm a- gonna lean Roddy
0: just based on the research that I've done. I have seen some of the stuff that Gary Roberts uh, makes the players eat. It all tastes like (laughs) sadness, which is fine. Uh, At the top of the next hour, uh, Corey Lavalette, Carolina Hurricanes, speed writer, North State Journal, The Athletic. But right now, ahead of a big match against Forge FC, Cavalry FC manager, our pal Tommy Wilden Jr. Tommy, how are you?
4: I'm well, thanks.
0: How are you? Uh, We're great. Uh, My co-host, Matty Rose, says uh, you're the best-dressed manager in the cpl uh do you do you uh, do you have that is that something you take pride in uh, how do you select your wardrobe your your outfits before the match is that something you concentrate on because if you look good play good play good pay good
4: right yeah exactly well i'm not sure if i'm the best but i'm certainly in the top eight and uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> i'll have to give my uh my wife credit she always gives me the thumbs up thumbs down on, w- on what looks good for, for packing and i think i've uh over the, year, over the years we've had it, I've just added a little something different each year, so yeah, it's uh, nice to be noticed for that, but I'd uh, sooner be noticed for the performance on the pitch. Our big game
2: coming up on Sunday, though, so what's the fit going to look like? Have you planned it out already?
4: Yeah, it's been a great week, actually, because um, the first leg was an interesting chess match, and uh, I think both teams kind of created a bit of a stale match for each other, and Now we go to their house and the expectation is on them to win. So uh, we quite like that where, you know, they they may go in there more overconfident and we've got some weapons that we feel can hurt them. And, uh, you know, over what we've had five games with them so far, there's been one goal differential if you aggregate the scores. So it's uh, it's certainly not going to be an easy game, um, but we're uh, more than prepared for it and we've got a full roster to choose from.
2: And these guys, they're they're pretty much like your arch rival, So, is there is there any love lost between these two as you get set for a winner go home game on Sunday?
4: Uh not at all. I mean, there's a, there's a certainly respect. I mean, you respect each other for for the quality that you bring. Um, I think we bring the best and worst out of each other in terms of you've seen some great goals, you've seen some heart wrenching moments, you've seen some uh, you know things that go over the boil with some an emotional control, but. Um, I think it's, it's been the games that the, the, the neutral fans enjoy because it raises the profile of the standard of the, of the league. Um, but, yeah, no, we're looking forward to it because I think if, you, if you're going to lift any silverware, you've got to go to their place and you've got to perform. So this right. is a great opportunity for us.
0: Uh, Tommy, you obviously, uh, the pitch here in Calgary, grass, uh, you're going to play on the fake stuff at Tim Hortons mm. Field in Hamilton. Does that change the way you guys approach the game? Do some people just hate playing on the fake stuff does it change the way uh, you have your tactics in a match like that? How, how do you guys adjust from playing all your home games on the real stuff that everyone prefers? And then you got to go play in the fake stuff in Hamilton.
4: Yeah. I mean, it certainly changes um, the roll of the ball, the bounce of the ball. I mean, here it's so pure. I'm, I'm a purist. And I always use the analogy that, you know, it's like when you go and play golf, when you're hitting off a driving range in the turf versus hitting off the tee box, it's right. It's different. It really is. But I'll add to good enough you know we play almost half our games on turf you know certainly on the road uh, we train in the off season on turf and it's just part of our environment here and credit to to them and and their partnership with TICAT they've uh, changed their turf to being one of the better ones and you know it was a historic moment for a Calgarian when Sam Adekubi scored against the US on that pitch so there's there's some nice omens there I think we're more Focused on the wind tunnel because it's kind hmm. of like a vacuum between it because both ends behind the goals right. are open. So what it does is it creates this enormous wind and it can get up to thirty, forty kilometers. So that's more of an effect than, than the turf. It's one of the bigger pitches, so it's important for us that we 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 understand you know the the lay of the land there. And once we know that, we'll know how to control the game as best we can.
2: So, what would you like to see, maybe changed from your group as you go into this rematch? What needs to be improved to get a win and move on to the single leg final the week after?
4: I think all that matters in in anything in in semifinals is you score more goals than the opposition. That's it. I think we we showed a good defensive side of our game. We've been very good on that side of the game of late. Um, but whether it's through a set play, a bit of magic, I think we've uh, if we score more than them, <laughs> we go through to a final, and that's that's as simple as the game is.
0: Tommy Wilden, Jr., Cavalry FC manager and the best-dressed guy in the CPL, according to my (laughs) co-host. Top eight. (laughs) Top eight, uh, uh, according to my co-host, Matty Rose. Uh, Tommy, great stuff. Best of luck this weekend. Thanks for this. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Take care. Okay. Tommy Wilden, Jr. Um, Do you want a quick story about uh, the city of Hamilton? Yeah, hit me. So um, Tim Hortons Field, uh, the beautiful new stadium they built there, uh, it's literally in the same spot where Neverwind Stadium was a.k.a. Iverwin Stadium. Yes. So there was a big, big uh, to-do in Hamilton. Where are we going to put the new stadium? Uh, we should put it on the waterfront to revitalize uh, the dumpy waterfront in Hamilton. Mm. And then people can come watch the games, uh, Oh, businesses, bars, restaurants. Awesome, let's do that. Okay, yeah, we're going to do the waterfront. It's going to work. We're going to add all this infrastructure. The city's going to kick in. And then everything went to total crap and they decided to put it in the same spot in essentially a neighborhood in downtown Hamilton because if you've mm. ever been to, to Tim Hortons Field or Neverwind Stadium, it's literally in, in the neighborhood in dumpy downtown in the burbs. Hamilton. Yeah, it, in downtown because there's two parts of Hamilton. There's by uh, Lake Ontario, that's like East Main where the football stadium is, and then the mountain in Hamilton, which is actually the nice part of Hamilton. Mm. I know it sounds like an oxymoron, nice part of Hamilton, but there is. <laughs> So uh, the stadium's downtown uh, in, in a neighborhood. So what they did was, this is what they settled on. We're just going to move the direction of the stadium so the wind isn't bad. But the wind's, like, really bad. It was worse that never
2: went. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, um, great job all around by everybody yeah. then. So instead yeah. of
0: putting the new stadium they on all... the waterfront... No, we're just going to move the direction of the stadium a little bit so it's not as windy. That's what they settled on at Tim Hortons Field. Can we just, like, rotate it, like, 90 degrees?
2: Could we just – how about yeah. that? Does everyone go with that? We'll do that? Okay, perfect. Yeah, that's, Sounds that, good. That,
0: that, that's what they – and uh, best of luck to Cavalry uh, FC as they're playing Forge in the Hammer uh, this weekend.
2: They could perhaps even host the final
0: if Atletico goes out. There's a chance. Big ask. Oh wow. Oh, fine. Are mm. you Patrick? Are you our CPL expert? Well, I mean I am a Cav C. Ours without a doubt. Okay between the four of us? Yes. Yes. Right,
2: Broads? That's fair.
1: Yeah. 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 You're yeah, the yeah. expert,
0: Patrick. Nobody's gonna uh, <laughs> d- nobody's gonna question your uh knowledge of the CPL. All right, uh straight ahead. <laughs> Speaking of which, Patrick, are we getting some really hot takes on the text line? Yeah, I mean a lot of people are sour on Jacob Markstrom. You would be Ooh, surprised. Really? Okay. Oh, wow, what that's... have you done for me lately, Jacob he... Markstrom? <laughs> be up for the Vezina <laughs> trophy? Suck on that, Markstrom. Four games in, you puck? suck. Be better! <laughs> you suck, Markstrom. People are being a little, little Yeah, little over the top, frankly. Uh 969, well frankly, that's what we want. We want 960 960 name and location. Your chance to win Flames and Canes tickets tomorrow night to the Dome, well, this is what you got to do. Mm-hmm. You got to text us in a take so hot, a Calgary Flames take that's so hot that our resident dragon, Fanny, will spit it out during Dragon's Breath at 8.30 when Sportsnet's Ryan Leslie will join us. Uh, that's the way you win tickets. Give that us is- a smoking hot Calgary Flames take so hot that only a dragon can spit it out. Nine sixty nine sixty. 9.60, 9.60. Name and location. If we pick your smoking hot take, you're going to the game tomorrow night. It's that simple. And if you're texting in from Singapore or Bahrain, uh, who Canada's going to play in a World Cup warm-up. November 11th. Can't yeah. wait for that. As you long long know as, me. As long as you can get here. I need uh, my World Cup friendlies. You do. You love them. Uh, yeah. As long as we can. And today's the roster deadline for the provisional 35-man roster there for you the go. World Cup.
2: 35 guys, hey. Well, you, yeah, you slip that down. down. You do what? Yeah, yeah they pare it down 200 when, 200 when the matches start.
0: Yeah, um, so that's, that's something we'll be doing later on next month. Mm. And I think we're going to send Brody on the beat, uh, asking the people of Calgary who's going to win the World Cup. But we'll, we'll do that uh, next month. But uh, we're still taking your smoking hot Calgary Flames takes. All right, straight ahead. Corey Lavalette, Carolina Hurricanes beat writer, North State Journal in The Athletic. Ask about those canes. What's Brent Burns look like? That's what I'm super interested in.
2: Can we park a few minutes maybe to chat about the retro drop yesterday?
0: Okay, we can do that after Corey, too.
2: I've got, I've got, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to get your thoughts on some of these retros. Okay. Because we
0: haven't dived into a lot of the no, sweater jersey again, stuff. Again, it's, it's, it's much like music. It's mm. just preference. It's your, nobody, yeah. there's no right or wrong answer. Sure. But I do know the Coyotes one is horrendous. <laughs> That's what I do know. And then Dragon's Breath with Ryan Leslie. It's all straight ahead The Final Hour, Big Show, Russell and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan.